0: Welcome to Better Broadband with Clearfield. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Better Broadband, a Clearfield podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of Clearfield's show. We appreciate you joining as we continue to explore major trends, technologies, and even shed some light on the great projects we're working on at Clearfield, uh, and as we explore bigger topics in the broadband and telecom industries. So thanks again for joining us. And as we explore today, today's topic, I want to make sure that you're pointed in the right direction for other clear field content. So make sure that you're heading to our website, C Clearfield, that's C-S-E-E, clearfield.com. There you'll find more episodes of the show, as well as uh, other pieces of content like videos, blogs, articles, uh, research papers, and more. And you can also subscribe to Better Broadband on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So just hit that subscribe button. You'll have a full catalog of previous conversations, plus notifications when we drop new episodes of our podcast. So today's episode of the show is a, a pretty quick one. We're going to do a Clearfield update for you, uh, a Clearfield news update, I guess, to put it more directly on a project that we're actually very excited, incredibly excited to share that uh, it's finally completed and it's ready to serve our customer base. But of course, we also like to intersect some big picture topics on our show. So in our update, we'll also intersect again, some of the big picture reasons why we decided to invest in this project early. So we're actually talking about Clearfield's new 100,000 square foot Brooklyn Park. facility for warehouse and logistics space to support our multi-state regional telco providers and operators. So we're going to shed some light on the project and why it aligns with some bigger movements in the market. I'd like to introduce our guest to help walk us through the project and its impact, uh, Mr. Kevin Morgan, Chief Marketing Officer at Clearfield. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, Daniel. It's really good to be here. I'm really happy to join you and talk a little bit about what's going on with Clearfield.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, it's been a while since we've chatted, so it's good to have you back on the show. Good to be hosting again. And, um, you know, we've got a pretty to-the-point episode here. uh, But again, like I said, as we explore this specific project... uh, I'm going to ask you some questions to connect the dots with how you see this feeding into and supporting some of the larger trends that are impacting your clients in the industry. So let's start by setting the stage a little bit. Uh, This new facility is a major investment for Clearfield. Can you walk us through some of the specs and uh, the support that you see it providing your clients just kind of at a high level? And then we'll get more specific on the background.
1: Yeah, sure. I'm really happy to do that. You know, we've uh, at Clearfield have a, a now of age uh, plan that's our m- multiple year strategic plan that we established um, to be able to really provide the platform of choice for the fiber deployments in the coming years in our markets that we serve for fiber management and fiber connectivity. And within that plan, the now of age plan, we're really uh, positioning to capture additional market share as fiber to the home expands and fiber to the business, and you know the company the company's been built really to simultaneously capture the market share while we're establishing a modular product line that can scale and grow with the needs of the of the market. So our ability to do that this year has been uh, challenged in terms of the significant demand that we saw for our products, we opened up uh, a new distribution center in in Minnesota in our fiscal Q2, which is our current uh, Q1 calendar, which effectively doubles uh, the company's U.S. footprint.
0: Yeah, which is, I mean, pretty incredible that uh, such an investment is going to have such an immediate return for your clients because of the fresh access to resources and the ability for Clearfield to uh, provide more, you know, boots on the ground support for their expanding um, services and fresh fiber um you know projects throughout several states. Like we mentioned, a lot of your um, clients are uh, multi-state providers. So let's chat a little bit about that. What are some of the market motivators that are helping your clients expand right now? And how does the fact that a lot of the clients you know being regional multi-state providers, how does that intersect with what you saw as a core, function of this new um, facility and resource space?
1: Yeah. So, you know, Clearfield has been positioned for a long time to serve the unserved and underserved communities. And we have a a customer base of over 700 uh, providers across uh, North America. And from the beginning, you know, we wanted to provide the fiber products to those communities and we've made it our goal to really remove the obstacles that prevent customers from adopting a fiber-fed broadband approach. And so we're really right now in the middle of a historic investment cycle for high-speed broadband a- and fiber-fed broadband in particular. Um, you know, we get we get, we get get asked a lot about the sustainability of, of the demand for that high-speed broadband and how long is that elevated demand going to last. But our research shows that um, the long-term forecast for fiber to the home uh, through 2025 is very substantial. In fact, we estimate that the broadband providers uh, will reach more homes with fiber in the next five years uh, through 2025, more than the combined total number of homes passed for the entire industry through 2020, which is truly noteworthy. And so, building on the you know the strength of that forecast, we saw this coming. It's a big mountain, not a little molehill. Um, but not only Did we see the demand rising? What we also saw is the the funding coming down from the federal government and flowing through the states. uh, That's that's creating not only demand, but also funded demand, uh, which is great. Now that we have a nearly $65 billion uh, broadband funding for um, more high-speed broadband deployments going to that target market of unserved and underserved communities. Uh, This came down through the Infrastructure Investments and Job Act that Congress passed in in November. Um, That funding is there. We'll start to see that flow probably in 2023 when the the rules get written this year, 2022. But the scale of the funding is important. I mean, the amount of opportunity uh, is is just enormous. And so what we did is we built, a company to be able to target and, uh, and grow based on, you know, what those new government initiatives are based on the new, uh, demand that we're seeing, uh, over the next decade. And so, you know, the elevated demand elevated market demand, uh, we see that as not a short term event, but certainly a long term, and we feel like this is a once in a generation opportunity, um, uh, that'll change the way people communicate in the future.
0: Yeah, there are so many uh, fresh funds, billions of dollars out there to secure for um, broadband deployments. I mean, we have uh, the next phase of RDOF um, coming up here and uh, major decisions being made around what technologies are going to support access to uh, and um, deployment of Rural broadband. So there, like you said, is a lot of latent opportunity, and and it really is a once in a lifetime chance for different players to stake their flag and to reach these communities with some quality up front. Uh, now, with that scaled demand comes the need for fiber to anywhere technologies uh, and management solutions. That's where Clearfield. Uh, you know, stakes its flag in the industry. Can you connect the dots then for us on, you know, some of those warning signs that you saw uh, in the market that motivated you to build out this facility? How do, uh, I guess, those needs in the market intersect with fiber to anywhere solutions, right? What role do you see said solutions playing in supporting this scaled demand?
1: Yeah. So it's like, you know, a couple of things to note uh, that we saw, Uh, We just announced our our quarterly results for the first quarter of our fiscal year, fourth quarter calendar year last year. Um, And when we look at the amount of backlog, our our backlog grew uh, significantly to over $100 million in backlog. When you compare that with what the backlog was a year ago, same quarter a year ago, it was $9 million. And so... That's that's a proof point. That's the best proof point we can say, you know, that we're delivering on that pillar of sustainable growth. Um, but we noted that uh, in the investor materials this quarter, and we also noted that we had two 10% customers who are regional service providers. And because they run multi-state networks and have a much more long-range um, view in their planning cycle, we expect to be able to have those regional service providers continue at a pretty significant clip as we move forward, and they're really a meaningful percentage of that overall backlog. You know, I think the other thing we saw with our customers is that you know wherever we looked, uh, we're finding that products is becoming difficult to get in quick turn basis, and they really wanted to ensure that they had uh, they would be able to work with us to provide the actual products that they needed going forward. So they, they placed their orders early, um, and so really. We have a broad base of companies that are looking at their environments and really want to be able to establish, you know, a network of supply chain that they need uh, and that they're looking at how to do it in a more effective way. And that's that's really what's driving the moves you see from Clearfield to to double their U.S. footprint to, you know, triple their production footprint in Mexico. So it's a it's us all coming together at a, a really good time.
0: Yeah, I mean, without the uh, supply chain infrastructure to support this scale demand, we can see major delays. I mean, you know, COVID revealed a lot of challenges uh, and a lot of weak points in the global supply chain. And I think that motivated a lot of uh, manufacturers and um, solutions providers to rethink how can we, like you said, uh, not only build out a more uh, diversified supply chain, but where can we invest back home, right? Can you connect the dots for us on uh, how that added layer of COVID disruptions and sort of supply chain disruptions and the gaps that were uh, really highlighted and emphasized during the pandemic, how did that also play into your decision-making for doubling your U.S. footprint and providing the supply chain support for your um, uh, multi-state regional telco providers?
1: Well, I think it's important that, um, you know, as we look at this issue, to to know that, we have uh, a go to market strategy that is customer driven, and the customer uh, basically can tell us how they want to procure those products either through us or through inventory at distributors. We actually have very limited inventory at distributors. Most of our product um, is shifted, it, it, it ships through um, on a drop ship basis. So we know exactly where it's going. And so, you know, at this point, we've been able to really uh, work with our customers and, and you know, in general, um, our customers will look at what they need early and be able to convey that to us in a way that makes sense for the product lines. And one of the benefits of the Clearfield product line is it's modular. And so we see a lot of times that the products we, we sell, um, because of the modularity, they, they can work in multiple applications, in different parts of the network. And that helps to plan. You know, if if they order a product uh, for one portion of the network and another part of the network is expanding, that's that can come in and, and fill the hole. So it's a situation, I think, when we look at our product line, our product designs, and the sort of um, challenges we see from an inventory risk perspective, it's not as much risk because those same products work in, the, in a lot of places in the network.
0: I want to circle back to the funding component that you brought up. But again, there's a lot of fresh federal and state financial support to roll out new fiber. uh, And that is uh, obviously a major motivator and opens up the possibilities for what – you know, the expansion of these regional services can look like, especially into rural communities. Can you uh, offer some specifics here? What funding is uh, particularly useful right now in motivating a lot of these deployments? And how are you intersecting uh, some of your production capacity to meet where that money is flowing and the kinds of projects that uh, these regional providers are launching and um, beginning to ideate?
1: Yeah, I think you know the 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 idea of the funding is a really important one, and we really uh, I'll, I'll be uh, honest with you our our funding sourced orders have not really been uh, material uh, in terms of uh, what what we tr- have been talking about in terms of our uh, funding. Let me just give you a kind of a quick rundown on funding. For years, uh, the federal government has been subsidizing broadband deployments for about a, a $4 billion a year clip. Um, those that $4 billion is, is managed through the market through um, a number of, of ways. Uh, the Connect America Fund, for example, uh, long-term artifact of the national broadband plan that was defined in 2010, that was uh, set up to fund broadband deployments. As we've gotten in the last year or two, there have been many, many more activities related to funding, a lot of them driven by COVID. Uh, For example, we had the the CARES Act that came down last year that was very time sensitive, had to spend the money within a certain period in order to qualify to get the funds. There are uh, the American Recovery uh, Plan, the ARPA dollars that the Department of Commerce and Treasury have, allocated to the states for them to administer funds, um, local funds, state funds, that's funded from the federal government for purposes of rolling up broadband. That's a really big uh, tranche that's coming through. The RDOF program, the Rural Digital Opportunities Fund, phase one, $9 billion. That was coming through the pipeline last year and some this year. We'll see that continuing to go on. Uh, as you mentioned, there's a phase two of the RDOF awards that the whole market is anticipating. Um, the balance of the $20 billion that was approved will be another $11 billion. Um, it's, it's unclear at this point to see if those are additive or included in part of the new investment, uh, of the Jobs Act, the $65 billion. So um, all of this basically equates to a tripling and quadrupling and sometimes, you know, five times the amount of annual funding uh, coming into the market in the next few years on an annual basis for broadband. So uh, there's no question that the dollars are there. There's no question that, and and to be honest with you, one of the things we found out during the pandemic was that this particular issue of all the ones that Congress uh, wrestles with, has support across the aisles. I mean, both parties uh, fully support rolling out broadband to unserved and underserved communities. And we saw how it changes lives in the pandemic. Those who have access to the high-speed broadband can do the telemedicine, uh, uh, they can do telehealth, distance learning, work from home, all those things are seamless. And so it's now a critical infrastructure and, and it, it goes out uh, to everywhere. So we're really excited about it. know that.
0: And I want to highlight another trend and get your thoughts on it here before we start to wrap up. But we're seeing uh, many of your customers, basically these smaller regional operators and providers uh, with that funding. And I think with some shifts in the market that I'm hoping you can shed some light on, they're being incentivized to deploy their own infrastructure now rather than just wait on the behemoths of the industry to either secure that funding first and then deploy uh, or just go about their, you know, usual business and projects of um, scoping out the land and slowly but surely getting fiber deployed in these rural communities um, or really just anywhere across the US, right? And so I'm curious, what is pushing the market to decentralize right now? Is there a major trend? beyond just available funding that is pushing more regional providers to lay their own fiber and um, build out their own broadband networks or is there something else that's motivating uh, those changes to the industry
1: you know I think it's a, the main point is that in the last year or two there's been a reassessment of what is needed in terms of ability to meet customer demand in the market and with that reassessment, more times than not, the amount of speed that the customers are demanding has risen to the point that fiber-based broadband is the the only way to go in terms of rolling out. And all of those customers, all the regional providers, local providers, everyone, national providers, they realize that whoever gets there first with fiber wins. because And it's a land grab. So it's in their best interest to aggressively invest in fiber-based broadband because uh, once they have that in, um, the operational expenses go down, uh, not as many trouble calls. Um, it may take a little bit more capital to, to deploy in the in the n- initial phase, but the benefits are enormous. And when you look at the competitive forces in the market and what that has to do, how to play, um, it's a pretty big, Pretty big uh, component. In, in fact, it's so large, the fact that I have to roll out something competitively quickly now in order to keep my competition out as a defensive measure. Uh, and we see that play out on a daily basis. The other thing that I want to point out is that we have a, a group of customers that we call community broadband. These community broadband customers are, are largely where We see the smaller uh, tier companies, the tier twos, tier threes, uh, independent local exchange carriers. We see uh, utilities, municipalities, rural electric co-ops all jumping in and they're jumping in because the citizens of those communities are taking charge of their future. They don't want to be left behind and they're standing up and they're rallying around with their local providers in whatever way, if it's a municipality, utility, whatever, to say we want fiber-based broadband in our area and we'll stand behind it and we'll sign up for the services once you get there. So that message is resonating across the country.
0: All right, Kevin, thank you so much for all your insights today. This has really been a pleasure getting to pick your brain on uh, the new facility and how you see it uh, supporting your customers. So I'll leave you with one last question here. We laid out a lot of big picture trends here, right? A decentralization of the industry, major funding, uh, supply chain disruption due to COVID, and um, just sort of a natural energy that is creating momentum and culminating in a lot of regional providers launching these uh, new services and new projects in 2022. So with all of these different motivators and sort of layering uh, market forces in mind, how do you see the new Brooklyn Park facility from Clearfield playing you know, an essential role in supporting that expansion over the next few years, right? What do you hope that the industry will get out of this supply chain support?
1: I think the idea that we're, I mean, we're responding to the demand. And so we want to make sure that our customers have the products that they need when they need them. And part of that is it's incumbent on us as the supplier to make sure that we have the logistics worked out, the inventory worked out, all of the um, um, the processes in place to make sure that this goes smoothly for our customers as they are increasing the amount of fiber consumed for the next few years. And so we, we see that shift going on in the demand. It's on us to increase and, and shift our capacity. And so that's that's why you see the warehouse. That's why you see the increase in in our production capacity. It's all about meeting the growing demand and being a partner with our customers, our service provider customers, to be able to expand and, and meet their needs in a way that they don't have to worry about. it. They can sleep at night, not not worrying, are they going to be able to get the products that they ordered? We're ramping up and and have been ramping up and tooling up and investing uh, quite heavily so that we can safeguard against any supply chain interruption.
0: And that's essential, being reactive, but also proactive and making sure that, you know, no matter what crazy unanticipated uh, disruption comes through the supply chain pipeline, which, you know, crossing our fingers doesn't happen but let's be honest there's going to be something that's going to disrupt the pipeline again having the resources in place and having that foresight is going to be essential to support this momentum in the industry because even with supply chain disruption there's nothing slowing down that funding and nothing slowing down that energy for regional telcos to lay their own fiber and support their communities how they see fit so it's great to see clearfield making that a priority and I'm curious to see how this facility continues to support your clients throughout the rest of the year maybe We'll do a little uh, touch base call here as the year wraps up to see what the net impact has been and maybe even hear from some of your um, uh, clients as well. But till then, Kevin Morgan, thank you so much for your time. It's really been a pleasure. Uh, and if folks want to find out a little bit more about this facility or they just want to get in touch with Clearfield, how can they do so? Where can we point them?
1: Certainly welcome to go to our website at cclearfield.com. Welcome to send me an email as well at kmorgancclearfield.com. Be happy to. To talk with anyone who is uh, interested.
0: Easy enough. Love it. Kevin Morgan, thank you again for your time. It's been a pleasure and we'll chat again soon.
1: Thank you so much, Daniel. I appreciate it.
0: And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Better Broadband, a Clearfield podcast. If you like what you heard and saw today and you want to make sure that you're all caught up on previous episodes, that you don't miss out on future conversations, or if you want to find out more information about our Brooklyn Park facilities and how we're supporting your industry and new broadband deployments, make sure that you're heading to our website, cclearfield.com. Again, that's C-S-E-E clearfield.com. You can also subscribe to Better Broadband on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Better Broadband.